How many people are glad for his goodness? How many people have any idea where you would be without it? Anybody have any idea? We wouldn't be as good, as, good off as we are, right? We say it all the time. God has been so much better to us than we deserve. Welcome to 2020. Look at your neighbor and tell them, welcome to 2020. Here we are at the start of a new decade. We just finished a decade and we're starting a new one. So many things have changed over the last 10 years. Think about in your life personally how much stuff changed in the last 10 years. If you can't remember, if you're on Facebook, how many people every now and then you get something that pops up and says, uh, this day five years ago, this day 10 years ago, uh, not too long ago, it popped up and it said, this day 10 years ago, and there was a picture of me and my wife and my beautiful newborn daughter, and uh, we were standing there, and I looked at that picture, and I said, honey, look at this picture. We looked so young. And then we started comparing it to another picture, and in that picture, she looked so young. Me, on the other hand, was depressing. Some things change for the better. Some things just change. But you think about in your life personally, how much stuff has changed in the last 10 years. You think about in our community, in our nation, in our world. So many things have have changed. So as we come to the end of the decade and the start of a new decade, we begin to look at everything that happened previously. But then we also want to look ahead. We also want to look at what does the next decade hold? What does 2020 hold? Of course, we do that at the start of every new year, right? I mean, we always want to start off the new year right. It's a new beginning, as Brandon said. It's a time that that we can say, okay, no matter what happened in the previous year, it can be different this year. It can be different in my life. And so everyone starts to make New Year's resolution. Anybody make one? I I talked to somebody the other day and they said, I I don't make those. Because no matter what, I I seem to always, uh, by February, it's done past. But if you're one of those people, I encourage you. I encourage you to set some goals for the year 2020. Will you meet them all? Probably not. Will you still be going to the gym in June? Probably not. But you definitely won't be if you don't start. And so we begin to look at that, and and everyone starts making these things. I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to make better decisions. I'm going to get out of debt. I'm going to work on relationships. Why do we do that? It's because we understand that if something is going to change, I have to change something. If something in your life is going to change, you have to change something. Someone said uh, that the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over, but expecting a different result. And so as we come into a new decade and the start of a new year, 
And we begin to, to look at our life and we begin to, to make some New Year's resolutions. We look at the things that, that we don't like about ourselves. And so as I started to reflect it, uh, on my life and I began to, to look at things in my life that I, that I wanted to change this year, all of the normal things came to my mind. I want to lose some weight. I want to find some hair. I'm convinced none of those products work. But as I begin to look at all of the things in my life, I begin to, to realize something. Every change that I was looking at, everything in my life that I wanted to be different, all of those things benefited me. I mean, think about it. Losing weight benefits me. Working and getting out of debt benefits me, my personal wants, my personal desires. And if you think about the things that, that maybe you made a New Year's resolution about, about, the chances are that those things are directly a benefit to you or your family. And so as I began to think about that, I thought, you know, what would be different if I made the decision that in the year 2020, that it's not really always about me. What if I made the decision in 2020 that I was going to change some things in my life, not to benefit me, but to benefit someone else? What would our community look like if we all made that decision? What would our community look like a decade from now? What would our community look like a year from now? When we stand on this stage in the year 2021, what would it look like if we say, you know what? In the year 2020, I'm going to take some necessary steps to become more like Jesus. You see, we just celebrated the birth of Jesus. And we know that in the Gospel of John, it tells us, John chapter 1, verse 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Then if we skip down to verse 14, it says, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and the only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. So here we see that Jesus always was. But he made a change in order to benefit others. It said he came from the Father. He came and he stripped himself of his glory to be born as a baby in a manger, to walk among us. It wasn't to benefit him, but it was for all of mankind. And so we begin to look at, in 2020, we want to become, I want to become more like Jesus. Well, how do I do that? What things can I change in my life to be more like him? The first thing that I believe that we need to do is we need to 
consecrate ourselves to him. Now, I know that the word consecrate sounds like a big religious word. I could have said, set yourself aside or dedicate yourself completely to God. But that didn't start with a C. But the Bible over and over talks about consecrating ourselves to Him. In Joshua chapter 3, verse 5. It says, Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. So here we have that the children of Israel had been wandering in the desert for 40 years. Now here they are on the threshold of the promised land. And God tells Joshua, he says, go tell the people to dedicate themselves, to separate themselves, to prepare themselves. Because tomorrow I'm going to do amazing things among them. When you consecrate yourself to God, when you dedicate yourself to God, God will do amazing things in you and for you and through you. You see, we are guilty in a sense. We're always wanting to do amazing things for God. But we need to stop and realize that God wants to do amazing things for us. It's our job to consecrate ourselves. It's our job to dedicate ourselves. You see, consecration, dedication is more than just keeping the Ten Commandments. It's more than just going to church. It's more than just sharing your faith. It's more than just raising your hand during the worship service. It's more than just becoming a, a part of the ministry team. It's more than just part of than paying your tithes. All of those things are good. All of those things are important. But they are not equivalent. They do not equal consecration. You see, in the Old Testament, the utensils that they used in the temple worship, they were set apart for the use of God and God only. They were considered to be dedicated and devoted completely to His service. So when we consecrate ourselves to God, when we consecrate ourselves to Him, we're taking ourselves off of the throne and we're placing Jesus on the throne of our lives. We're, we're giving up all of our self-interest. We're surrendering everything to Him. We understand that everything that we have is a gift from God and for God. Your time, your energy, your money, your life. It's all from Him and it's all for Him. Consecration is, is a deepening of our love for Jesus. It's, it's an unwavering trust in your Heavenly Father. It's obedience to the Holy Spirit. We've started here at, at Gateway for the past couple of years uh, doing a 21-day fast at the start of every new year. 
And what that is, it's a time for us to, to deprive ourselves of something in order to allow God to know that there's nothing in this world, there's nothing that we can obtain that can replace Him. It's a time that we completely depend on Christ. It's a time that, that we turn our attention to Him. And so starting next Sunday, January the 12th, we're going to start our 21-day fast. And I'm asking you to fast something. I'm not telling you what to fast. That's between you and God. But find something in your life that you can push away, push back for 21 days. Just to say, God, I'm preparing myself for you to do amazing things. I'm fasting. I'm praying. Because I want you to work in me, for me, and through me. So once we do that, once we say, Father, I am dedicated completely to you. I set myself aside. I want to be used. Secondly, we need to have concern for them. If we truly want to change... In order to see change in others, we have to have true concern. You see, showing I'm concerned is greater than saying I'm concerned. We've all heard the saying, actions speak louder than words. And if we can become and get to a point in our life that we will stop at nothing to change the things that truly concern us. There are things in your life that you are so passionate about that you will stop at nothing to see them fulfilled, to see them changed. The things that we truly care about will ignite something in us. It will cause us to hold picket signs. It will cause us to lose friends on Facebook. Why? Because we're passionate about it. What if in 2020, we became passionate about stuff that really matters? What if we took on the mindset of Jesus... When he said in Luke chapter 19, verse 10, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. If we look at the life of Jesus, for the time that he walked this earth, there is one thing that we could say about him without any hesitation. He was continually concerned about people. He was concerned about their physical well-being. He was concerned about their spiritual well-being. He was concerned about them. When it wasn't convenient for him, he was still concerned. When they rejected him, 
he was still concerned. When they looked at him, when they beat him, he was still concerned. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, we read of a story that says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. He was concerned about their physical well-being. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. When Jesus saw the crowds, he was moved. When Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion. He looked at these people and he knew that they were troubled. He knew that they were distressed. He could see the dejection on their face. He described them to his disciples. Look, they are like a sheep without a shepherd. When Jesus saw the people, he didn't blame them. He didn't rebuke them. He didn't condemn them. What did he do? He showed concern. Now his disciples, they were sometimes guilty of a lack of, of concern. We, we read about when they tried to stop the people from bringing the children to him. And he said, let them come. Why? Because he was concerned. When blind Bartimaeus was, was trying to, to get to Jesus, he said the people tried to tell him to be quiet, shut up. Jesus has got important things to do. But Jesus was compassionate. He was concerned. What if we had that same concern? What if when we looked at the crowds, when we looked at the, the people that we come in contact with every single day, what if in 2020 we truly had concern? What if we really cared about their situation? What if we were really concerned about their issues? And about their problems, about their physical well-being, about their spiritual well-being. What would change in our workplace? What would change in our families? What would change in our community if we started having the concern for the crowd? If we stopped viewing people. As a nuisance. If we could get past the mindset of some of the disciples. Come on, we've all been there. We've all been in that moment when we said, you know, just leave me alone. We're human. The disciples were human. They got tired. They probably got aggravated. 
And there were times in their life that, that Jesus had to remind them, hey, this is not about you. It's about them. What if in 2020 we allowed Jesus to remind us, it's not about me. It's about their well-being. It's about my waiter. It's about my hairstylist. It's about that person in the cubicle beside me at work that I would like to strangle. Hey, we're real here. You're sitting there. You know who you are. You're either, either the one that wants to strangle or the one that somebody wants to strangle. Don't be either. Go. 2020. I told myself I was not going to say 2020. I've only did it one time. Because everybody starts looking for Barbara Walters. But what if we stop seeing people in any other manner than people who need a Savior? If we stop seeing people for anything other than people who need someone to love them. If we made a decision to get truly concerned about them. What if we started doing some practical things to win them to Christ? If we truly cared, if we truly cared, what if? That person that when Nick was up here and he said, think about that person. Pray for that one person. What if? Some of you thought of someone. Some of you probably said, hurry up, my feet hurt. I'm ready to sit down. But what if? What if that one person that instead of just throwing up a prayer, that when service ended today, that you seek them out, that you build a relationship, that you let them know that you are truly concerned, that they're not just an afterthought in your life. What if? You see, saying we are concerned and showing that we are concerned are two completely different Things. Sometimes we can say I love you with our mouth, but we don't show it in our actions. But what if in 2020, we said I'm truly concerned and I'm going to live this year. I'm going to live this month. I'm going to live this day showing people that I truly care about them and that it's not about me. So we consecrate ourselves to him. We concern ourselves for them. And we commit ourselves to each other.
If we're going to change the lives of people around us, then there's a, a, a dirty word that we're going to have to change. Our commitment to each other. Now, I know that as soon as I start talking about commitment, 75% of you just said, man, he's going fast today. Just gives me 25 minutes to spend on commitment, so just hang on. I know that when you start talking about commitment, I'm not going to win any popularity contest. I know that, that there will always be pushback when I start talking about our level of commitment. And when I start talking about the level of commitment that is necessary in order to see Gateway Church become a force in this community. You see, that's why we're here. We are here for no other reason. It's not to hear wonderful singing. It's not to hear awesome preaching. Somebody said, thank God. But we are here to be a force and to show the love of Christ. And when I start talking about commitment, believe me, I've heard it all. Pastor, you don't understand how busy I am. Pastor, you don't understand that, that, that my son's going to play in the NFL. I hope they do. And I hope you teach them the tithe. Pastor, you don't understand everything that I have going on. Pastor, you don't, and you fill in the blank. Because when it comes to making excuses, boy, we can do it. So my goal today is, is for you to understand that I understand. Guess what? I'm human. I know exactly what you're saying because I'm right there with you. I mean, God and I even have arguments sometimes. You ever argued with God? Anybody? Come on, don't lie. Raise your hand. You argue with God? All right. Anybody ever won? No, because you win. If you think you win, you still lose, right? Because his ways are higher than our ways, and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And Don't argue with God, and don't argue with your spouse, and your life will be wonderful. Because I've told God, God, you don't understand how busy that I am. And every time I have that argument, every time I have that argument, God said, I need you to commit yourself. I need you to commit yourself to each other. I need you to, to, to sacrifice your wants, your desires. 
And it seems like I'm always taken to Romans chapter 12. Where he said, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. But be transformed with the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. He says, I need you to present yourself. Present, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. You see, becoming committed It's an extreme sacrifice. It's not easy. I've told the staff at the end of last year, I said, coming in the year 2020, I'm going to be asking you to make a deeper level of commitment. Because as leaders, we can't take the church someplace that we haven't been. It's a sacrifice. And then he says, do not conform to the patterns of this world. Now, when we think about that, we always think about, okay, you know, don't smoke, don't drink, and don't chew. Don't date girls who do. I don't know. After last week, I had to get something in there about, if you weren't here last week, ask Jerry his famous quote. But we start thinking about the patterns of this world. And can I tell you that one of the patterns of this world, I've said it many times, but, but if the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. And when we look at our world today, we are busy, busy. It's a pattern of this world that we live in. It's a pattern. And we have to, to look at our lives and say, you know what? I am going to sacrifice my wants, my desires, and sometimes even my needs. He said, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. We must be willing to look at the busyness and say, I know that I'm busy, but I'm not going to make an excuse. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 25 says this. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. But encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Now when I was growing up. And if you were raised in, in a similar, similar background to me, when I was growing up, it was Sunday morning, Sunday school. It was morning worship. It was Sunday evening service. It was Wednesday night service. It was revivals. It was vacation Bible school. 
I mean, I was constantly with my church family. Now, some of that family were, were a little bit crazier than others. Sometimes maybe it wasn't always a, a, a good thing in my mind. Now, just coming through Christmas, you're, you know, I mean, people have that crazy cousin Eddie. You either have one or you are him, are one. But you can relate to what I'm saying. But over the course of time that we spent together, over the course of time that we did life together, we begin to know each other. The good, the bad, and the ugly. But there was one thing that I knew. I knew that those people were there for me. I knew that that little 80-year-old grandma that taught my Sunday school class was going to be there, was going to be consistent. She was going to have the flannel graph. But over the course of time, our lives have become so busy that sometimes it's all we can do just to drag ourselves in here on a Sunday morning at almost 11 o'clock, which is the exact opposite of what he said. What did he say? All the more. All the more, as you see the day approaching. How many people can see the day approaching? Paul had this to say about the New Testament church. It's a very familiar passage of Scripture, especially around here. It's in Acts chapter 2. And it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. Every day, they broke bread in their home and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. What was the result? What was their result of becoming devoted and committed to each other? I'm glad you asked. And the Lord 
added to their number daily. Those who were being saved. So as a result of their commitment, as a result of their devotion, not just to God, but to each other, What was the end result? People were added to the kingdom of God. So why did the writer of Hebrews, why did they suggest that we should increase our time together as we get closer to the end? If you know anything about the Bible at all, it tells us that things aren't going to get any better. As a matter of fact, it says that they're going to become worse. Things aren't going to get any easier. You're welcome for the encouragement. But I think that we are watching that play out before our very eyes. So as that happens, as we see that day approaching, we need each other. We need each other for strength. We need each other for encouragement. We need each other for hope. Why? Why? Because a weak, discouraged, and hopeless church cannot give strength, encouragement, or hope to a hopeless world. Let me say that again. A weak, discouraged, and hopeless church cannot give strength, encouragement, or hope to a hopeless world. Scripture after Scripture verifies the importance of being committed to each other. Being committed to each other, we understand that, that what is actually the church? It's not this building, right? The church Is us coming together. So being committed to each other means being committed to the church, to the body. And the question that I want to ask you this morning, what are you willing to make to see true change in the lives of people? What sacrifices are you willing to make to see the change in the lives of people? Are you willing to change the level of your commitment? Are you willing to lead a life group? Are you willing to set aside a, a night of the week that says, you know what? I know I have other stuff to do. 
I know that, that the house needs cleaned. I know that, that, that it's been a rough day at work and I just want to go curl up in my bed and watch Hallmark movies. But I know that I need people. Are you willing to lead a life group? Are you willing to, to simply set aside a night to attend a life group? Are you willing to teach a class? Are you willing to do whatever it takes? Are you willing to make changes in your life to see true change in the lives of people? Are you willing to make changes not for your benefit? but for the benefit of others. You see, as we start this new year, as we start this new decade, I believe that we are at a crossroads as a church. And we have to ask ourselves, and something that, that the Holy Spirit has been asking me, are you satisfied with where you are? Are you satisfied? And then begin to ask me, have you totally devoted yourself to me? Are you truly concerned about others? Are you fully committed to each other? To the church. Are you willing to change? To change others. You see if you're a follower of Christ this morning. You have a responsibility. Because you see God has a plan. He has a plan. And you're part of it. He has a plan, and there's no backup plan. We are part of the plan. And so when we started this message, and, and we talked about, and I challenge you to change, to change others. Here's the reality. Here's the reality. If you will consecrate yourself to God. If you'll become concerned about others. If you will love God. And love means deeping, deepening your devotion to Him. If you love God. And if you love people. those two things before yourself. Here's what will happen. Mark chapter 8. Then calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said, 
if any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways. You must take up your cross and follow me. Verse 35, he said, if you try to hang on to your life, you're going to lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, if you give up your life because you're loving me and you're loving people, You will save it. So when we start out doing these three things, he tells us, you still get benefit. You're not going to lose your life, but you're going to save it. With every head bowed and every eye closed. You're here this morning and you say, Pastor. I do not know the reality of having Christ be the Lord of my life. I've never made a a true confession. I've never stepped over into the family of God. You're here this morning and that's you. There's no better way to start the year 2020. There's no better way to start this decade. You may be here this morning and you you may say, my life is in shambles. You may be here this morning and you may say, when I look back at the past 10 years, it's hard for me even to, to, to recognize or to identify anything that happened positive. May I suggest that you decide to change for a change. You're here this morning, you say, Pastor, that's me. I need something different. Just slip up your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Pastor, I need something different. You may be here and you say, you know, I was following Christ, but then life happened. I got busy. I started placing things above him and before him. I took him off of the throne, and I, and I put my wants and my needs and my desires on that and in that place. I want to repent. I want to take down my junk. And lift him up. If that's you, just slip up your hand. 
Thank you. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. You may be here this morning. You may say, Pastor, I'm here every Sunday. Every Sunday. But I know that I'm not fully devoted to him. And I realize that I'm not always concerned for others. And I believe that my level of commitment needs to be raised. If you're here this morning and you say, Pastor, I want 2020 to be the best year of my life. And I'm willing to start making these changes. Just slip up your hand. Thank you all over this building. Why? Because, listen, every hand here should go up. Because we should want the year to be better than any year that we've ever had. We should want more people. We should want people to be added daily. But in order for that to happen, we have to be willing to change. I'm going to ask you to stand. If you're a guest, I apologize because what I'm about ready to do might make you a little uncomfortable. This is more of a, uh, this has been a, something that's been burning in my heart for about two weeks when I woke up at about three o'clock in the morning and God started speaking to me and I, I pulled out my cell phone and just started jotting down notes. But if you're here this morning and you're willing to say, Pastor, I want to change so that I can see change. I'm going to ask you to, as many as would, just come and, and stand at this altar. We're not going to do anything. I'm not going to throw my coat on you. Or, but I want us as a church family, and if you're a guest and, and, and you want to make these commitments to God, I'm going to ask you to come as well. But we're going to come and we're going to stand and we're just going to simply close in prayer. But this is just a way of saying, God, I'm devoting myself to you. I'm going to be concerned about the people in my life. And I'm going to commit myself to every person in this body. And if you can't all get around the altar, just fill in the aisles. And this is just a, just a simple way of saying, Pastor, I'm committed. I'm committed. 